Hey, creative, if you love the show and it has meant a lot to you, could you do me a favor? Would you share it with somebody that you care about? Your friend, your mom, your lover, whoever it is, because podcasts really are spread person to person. And I don't know about you, but the ultimate influencers in my life are my friends and family. So if all of you could share the podcast with just one person, it would make a massive difference in our creative community, grow it, and we can all help support and lift each other up and get toward our dreams even faster. So please, if you have time today and you feel so compelled, share the show with a friend. Oh, also, if you have time, feel free to like pop on over to Apple and leave it a rating and review and a rating on Spotify. Okay. Love you. What does a true step forward really look like? Is it always going for more money, more prestige, and more influence? Or is it simply going toward what your heart is calling you to do? I believe the latter. So does today's guest. Her life is proof of that. She has reinvented herself multiple times and believes in the power of taking what the world may deem as a step back to take a step forward toward yourself. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. And this show is meant to give you tools to love, trust, and know yourself enough to claim your right to creativity and pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Today's guest is Dr. Caroline Addington, and she has an incredible story. Caroline has her PhD and started her career as an engineer and neuroscientist, moved into building a thriving social media marketing business, and recently left that behind to pursue personal training and fitness. In addition, she also hosts her podcast, Co-Create, where she interviews people from New York Times bestsellers to personal trainers to psychedelic therapists and me. You can actually check out my recent episode on her show titled The Connection Between Our Bodies and creativity. It was an incredible chat. One of the things I love about Caroline and why I wanted to have her on the show is that she is so deeply willing to reinvent herself and take a risk to get closer to her heart's desire. She also gave some of the best advice I've ever heard about building your dreams and why taking what society views as a step back can actually be a step forward toward yourself. I can't wait for you to hear it. From today's chat, you'll learn how to build the courage to take life-changing leaps toward what you love, why a day job can become one of your greatest teachers and life highlights, how to use fitness to improve your mental health and relationship with yourself, why a long journey to your greatest passion is okay and even ideal, how to get grounded and get into your body, and so much more. And a quick content warning, we do talk about suicide today, so if that's hard for you, please take care of yourself. But it is a very important conversation, and I feel super honored to share it. Okay, now here she is, the amazing Caroline Addington. Caroline, I'm so happy to be sitting with you today. I just did an amazing episode of your podcast where we talked about the connection between sexuality and embodiment and creativity. And today we're here to talk about how you went from being in a science lab to floating on a raft. And I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited too. You're such a beautiful, shiny human in the world. So it's a big honor to get to sit down and jam out together. I mean, likewise, I just felt so uplifted after our conversation. I was like, you know what? Let's just do that again. Same. Rinse and repeat, (laughs) honey buns. (laughs) Okay. So let me explain what I meant by what I just said. So the day we met that I did your podcast, you said you spent most of the day floating in a river 
on a tube. I want to know how you went from being a scientist because you have your PhD, okay? How did you go from being a scientist in a lab to having the kind of life where you can float down a river? How did you let go of everything you know? Woo! How much time we got? (laughs) (laughs) You got an hour, baby. (laughs) Like one thread at a time, I think is the most honest answer. Even though there was a day where I was a practicing scientist in a lab and then I left the lab and then the next day, technically, I was no longer a practicing scientist in a lab. That identity took years to unravel and reform and reshape. You know, I know that we talked in our last conversation about that journey of kind of swinging back and forth between a very like more masculine hustle energy and more of a feminine flow energy. I was very in my hustle energy when I was in the science life. And that pendulum had to swing all the way back, kind of almost overcorrect into a very diving deep into the intuitive arts, diving deep into the woo, you know, (laughs) I'm doing air quotes and diving deep into a trust in the universe because it was, I was leaving something that felt really solid and entering into something that felt really unstable and amorphous that slowly finding balance over time between hardcore hustle, workaholic life, and the deep, deep, deep (laughs) floating on a rock in the void of space, (laughs) manifesting all the things or something. Finding a balance where now it feels like that trust is there, you know, that trust has been built through repeated identity changes over time that like things can change. Life is impermanence. That's okay. We're all going to die eventually. We might as well wander and like explore while we're here. That's kind of the foundation on which my more masculine energies are now layered, right? So there's like a joy that comes from having the hands in the clay and making things and building things and doing things and having a structure, but it's still on this foundation of that, the feminine arts. Great question. I didn't even know that that answer was alive in me. So thanks for bringing it out. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my pleasure. So I do have follow-ups. What were the first signs when you were pursuing this more masculine energy in the lab, A plus B equals C type of things going on through your brain, through your life every day. What were the signs that like, I don't think I'm in the right place anymore? What did you start to notice? The body, definitely the body, just being really tired and not wanting to get out of bed and go do the things. Heart palpitations, like heart arrhythmias from stress and muscle twitches. So the body really speaking and saying, Hey, you keep doing this. It's not going to go well for either of us. We got to do something different. Bodies are so wise. I know we talked about that in our last conversation, but they know, I think that they're always some of the early communicators about how things are going in our individual and collective reality bubbles. Bodies know. (laughs) And how did you go from that bodily intelligence to making the actual leap? Like, what did it take for you to get there? And did you have everything planned out or did you just say, I just got to figure this out? I wish I had planned more out. I actually, I started an athletic wear company that crashed and burned really fast, but I did get a Kickstarter successfully funded and that provided a path forward. And that Kickstarter is actually how I figured out, oh, I'm really good at social media marketing. Not so great at product development and distribution, but really good at the marketing side. So That was as much of a plan as had been formed. I remember the day that I decided I can't do this anymore. We had lab meetings. They were kind of brutal. They were really critical and really competitive. And I remember watching a colleague just really get torn down and just feeling like 
brokenhearted for the situation and angry and all the things. And that day I was ready to like walk out the door. Fortunately, my boss had already left for the day, so I couldn't go in in that state. And I, that night went home and kind of digested it and realized if I'm going to leave this chapter and enter a new one, I want that transition to be in love. I don't want to leave in anger. I don't want to leave with a lot of reactive, fiery, something, something. I want to transition with love. So when I did decide, like communicate, hey, it's time for me to go, it was coming from a really loving place. And I think that that makes a world of difference. (laughs) How did you get there emotionally? How did you get from like, I'm so pissed and this place sucks and it's making me feel like shit and it's making people I care about feel like shit to I'm grateful for what it provided me and for this opportunity to see that this is not who I am. And now I know who I am. So I have to go somewhere else. But thank you. Yeah. I don't think I was grateful yet (laughs) when I left. I wasn't grateful yet, but I did know that I didn't want to leave in anger. That's really as far as I got. It took me years to feel grateful for it. Like truly, like actually, as long as there's one step away from the reactivity and one step towards something that's a little bit more neutral or a little bit more loving. That's good enough for mommy. You for the universe, you know, <laughs> I think that she's like, yeah, <laughs> you took a step and I'll meet you there. <laughs> yeah. That's something you've mentioned a couple times. Now you said I did it inch by inch. It took me years to get there. This is something I'm hearing echoed through your story. I mean, I personally have a lot of discomfort with gray area. It's a skill I'm building up. I know one of your platforms you speak on is building comfort with what's uncomfortable, learning to even love what's uncomfortable. How? How? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was such a good how. (laughs) I've been like pretending to love it. I have an intellect that knows it's what we're supposed to do because that's what life actually is. But then my brain is like, nah, let's just go back to black and white. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is interesting. I'm really grateful that you asked this question because I love this topic. And it's been loving the discomfort, loving the hard things and the icky, like sticky stuff in life. It's like the manifestation of that merger of the masculine and feminine. Like that's it. When I think about feeling comfortable with the sticky stuff, there's a recognition in it that the hard stuff, the sticky stuff, the uncomfortable stuff is the raw material for sustainable joy and an unconditional joy. Because like you said, that's life. Like there's sticky shit all over the place. So if life has to be comfortable to be joyful, that's rough. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) that's the reason. Yeah. But why can't it just be nice? See, that's the thing. I literally wrote a song yesterday and it was like, can I just have one pure thing? I just want one nice thing. We're the pure things. It's like beaming out to the world around. But everything else, everything else has like, it's like a mixture of beauty and shit. But that pure thing is like, it just like lives in here and it just like beams out and connects with the parts of everything else that is that too. So how do we know we're the pure thing? Good question. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I don't have a great answer for that, but I will share experience. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great answer. (laughs) Yeah, I can sense and feel and connect with that pure thing within myself the most when I am not getting in the way of interactions with the world. So for example, in this conversation right now, there's plenty of opportunities for me to get in my own head and be like, 
you're saying the right thing. Like what if your laugh is kind of goofy because I laugh all the time, you know, all these things. There's plenty of room for that to come in and that comes in and then it blocks the flow and it blocks the clear, shiny part of myself from connecting with the clear, shiny part of you and conversation with people. I mean, we're podcasters, so that might just be unique to me (laughs) and probably also you, but I imagine that everybody has a way of interacting with the world. Like the interaction piece feels really important because we can be alone sitting on a meditation pillow and be like, ah, you know, Zen and everything is fine, but it's interacting with the world around and doing it with the clearness, not letting the icky get in, not letting the self-judgment, all the stuff shape the way that we interact with the world. For me, I know that that's when I feel that pureness back and forth the most. So what are your practices to help you stay in that pure place, to stay in the most Caroline-y Caroline place? Living. <laughs> so this was the deep feminine chapter, right? I was like doing the tarot cards. I was working with oracle cards. I was meditating all the time. And I was like, doing sound baths and ritual baths and like sweat lodges and like plant medicine ceremony, like that whole world, which was really beneficial and really helpful in a lot of ways. I think all of that, at least on my journey, was really helpful to connect me with myself. But then it's really the daily practice of living. I work part-time at a coffee shop as I'm building up my personal training business. That is one of the best practices for what we're talking about because I'm encountering how many people in a day and everyone's coming in with a different juju and a different energy and a different state of mind and being present with people who are coming in from all different walks of life and all different states of mind is an incredible spiritual practice. (laughs) So like the daily acts of living are grist for the mill. As someone said, Ramdas, maybe. <laughs> Shout out to Ramdas. <laughs> what I love that you just said, what I extracted from that is you started out in this extremely masculine energy. Then you went toward this extremely feminine energy. And then you balanced out and came to the gray of the energies and to yourself. Because I think something that can happen a lot of times when we go on a spiritual journey, even like things like human design and astrology, we end up giving up our own wisdom to this system instead of tuning into what we know to be true within ourselves. And so again, yes, it's great if it can help you and orient you, but don't let it take over your life so much that you give up your own power to whatever this thing is that's leading you. And so what it sounds like from everything you just described is you had to go to those two extremes in order to come back to the place where just living was enough to help you stay in the joyful balance of who you purely are. Exactly. Yes. You're a fantastic podcast host. (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) And I love your laugh, by the way. I have to tell you, like we were talking about such a heavy topic on your show and your laugh freed me. So when we're really ourselves, it frees other people to be themselves and to know, like, it's not so serious. Like, I can say something, and if it's not right, I can figure it out. And so, yeah, just a beautiful example of that, too. Okay, tell me about this coffee shop, because that feels really resonant right now. Like, you're building out this personal training business, because speaking of human design, you are a manifesting generator, so you have to follow what interests you at the time, and you're always restarting, and I think that's so beautiful that you trust that. 
what has been like the wisdom of working in this coffee shop when you're working on your current dream? Yeah. I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday and they were talking about how they have like four things that they do in their life. And yet there's this central pillar of who they are and all of these different areas of life allow them to express who they are in all of these ways. And they were sharing this and I was like, yes, amen. Because being in the world amongst people, it's so good for my mental health. I first took a part-time job about a year ago coming out of COVID. And I had been working remotely with like social media marketing since 2018. So I'd been kind of like out of the regular world for the better part of almost five years. And man, as soon as I was interacting with people again in a service environment, I was like, I feel great. I feel healthy. There's the sense of community that is now a part of my everyday. I think there's actually a lot of really cool data. I don't know the studies, so I can't cite it properly, but there's data floating out in the world about this everyday community. Yeah. And this feeling of everyday relationships that aren't necessarily our best friends or our family that we're going to turn to when we're in the thick of crisis, but they're the same faces that we see daily that creates a sense of belonging in the world. And I feel that so strongly by holding down a part-time job in a spot where there are regulars. And I see the same people regularly. Like, yes, it's surface level, but also you can really be present with people. People are receptive to presence. And it's done so much for my mental health to be in the world. It's crazy. I never would have thought. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense to me because sometimes I'll be feeling like I'm depressed because I work from home too. And then I'll go outside and like say hi to some people on my walk and like, oh, I just wanted to see some people. That was all, you know, and the energy, especially if you're an extrovert or like an ambivert, I think it really does make a big difference to how we feel inside of ourselves. Yeah. What is an ambivert? I've never heard that term. I think this is how you pronounce it. I heard Brene Brown say it. So I'm just like parroting what she said, but it's basically a mixture between an introvert and an extrovert. And I think it's called ambivert. But basically, it's a mixture between the two. So if I'm saying it wrong, it's whatever the actual way to say cool. it is. Like ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I also want to ask you, because I think sometimes we have to take a sidestep or what people would perceive as a step back in order to take a step forward. And I think yeah. there is so much shame built into our culture, especially around like status and money and whatever. And sometimes like you do have to do that. Like when you take an entrepreneurial step, you do have to take a side hustle job or you want to like in order to make yourself feel more secure in making the investments you have to make. Was there any conditioning that you had to undo to take this most recent leap and especially with taking the part time job? And if so, how did you do it? 100% there was conditioning, 100%, especially because the social media marketing business was thriving. It was doing great. It was a very profitable business. And I had been successfully self-employed for several years at that point. So yeah, 100% there was some conditioning where I was like, it should be fine. (laughs) But at that point, I had done a lot of internal work around the way that I viewed and felt and thought and experienced money, which I know we mentioned before we like hit record and dove into conversation, even though there was that conditioning there, it just felt like entering a new and different chapter of learning from money because it is a really powerful teacher in this human incarnation. We can learn so much from it. It's kind of crazy. And this chapter of learning has really been, it's been nice. It's felt very like safe and stable. While I may not be a personal trainer in the 
sense that I am right now forever. I am a manifesting generator. So things will probably change and evolve. I am deeply in love with the fitness industry and the potential that it has to be better than it is right now. Ooh. Yeah. There's like so much potential. So that I'm in love with. And so it feels like a monogamous long-term relationship that I want to be in this industry and do a lot of work in this industry for a while. So there's no rush for me to like hit certain revenue milestones really quick. It's much more important to me in this chapter to build a really, really strong, stable foundation and creating an environment where the business has all the room to grow and do what it wants in this stage without needing the outside pressure of being profitable feels really important. With the full awareness that that profitable pressure is also important and in due time will come with its own lessons and its own good juju. But yeah, there was definitely conditioning that needed to like unravel and let go. I'm glad I did though, because it's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah. You just said so many things that really blew me away. So one of them that I want to call out is this idea that you're building a long-term relationship right now. And I think so often we give up on our own creativity because it isn't lucrative right away. Instead of looking at it like, I'm building a long-term relationship with something I absolutely love and is a piece of who I am. And so I'm in no rush to make it go down the aisle of life overnight. It's okay if we're courting for a while. It's okay if we're dating. It's okay if we fight sometimes. This is a long-term relationship that I want to foster. And so I am willing to be patient and hold its hand as we figure out how we work together. That's so powerful. And it's something I've literally never thought of and something I've fought every single step of the way. So that was good for me and for, I'm sure, my friends who are listening right now. And then the other part, the conditioning that you had to let go of because you were successful at the other thing, right? You were really successful at social media marketing, but it didn't feel like you. If someone's listening right now and they're in a similar situation, so they're in some sort of job, whether it's entrepreneurial or they're working for someone else, and they're extremely successful at it, and they're having a hard time unraveling, well, I'm successful, but I don't care. But I'm crazy to leave. How dare I leave? Everyone wants a job like this. What's your advice to them on how they can get from that mind space to taking the leap to something they love? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. I love this question so much. I just had someone asking this question the other day. So the words are like right here for it. So it's perfect. (laughs) It was a former colleague from Science Life who was thinking about leaving and wanted to just talk about it. And what we were talking about was, you know, when you're in that situation, I think the most important question to ask is whether or not you're in love with the thing. Are you in love with it? And it's just a matter of logistics. Like maybe you got to set better boundaries around your work-life balance. Maybe you've got to change environments or change coworkers, change team, change what you're doing, but are you still truly in love with the work? And it's just a logistical thing. If that's the case, do what you got to do to change the logistics, because finding the thing that we love is so precious. And if the logistics suck the life out of it, then we have wasted one of the gems in life. Alternatively, if we sit with that question and 
we don't love it anymore. Like the love is gone or maybe it was cool for a time, but maybe it was never really the thing that we love. Not that I believe there's any one thing, but yeah. we say that we decide we don't love it and that feels true. Then life is short. We're all going to die. Eventually there's going to be no universe left. If you look at the projections of what happens over time with entropy, it just all turns into a big vacuum and there's nothing. So we're <laughs> here for like a tiny little fraction of time. And you got to go find what you love. There's no better way to spend this like tiny little speck of life, I don't think, than to find what we love and be happy doing it so that we can shine and be a happy sunshine for the world around us. So that's my answer. <laughs> that's a beautiful answer. And so tell me, how did this love of fitness start? I was depressed and it <laughs> made me not depressed. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, this is a story. I'll put it in the context of like the timeline that we've been talking about. So when I left science, I was very anxious. It was a very high energy stress, anxiety situation. I went deep into the feminine and then I experienced deep depression. It was kind of like both sides of this mental health spectrum, the really high frantic and then the really low. And I was really low. I was ready to leave earth early. Mm -hmm. and no longer be in a body. And I was having these experiences where like moments of clarity, actually one of the humans that, you know, Glennon Doyle's untamed book really helped me through that time Aww. because yeah, she was talking about in the moments of when you feel depression in the moments when you feel well, you got to take care of future self. And hearing that I was like, okay, I have to take care of future Caroline to make sure that she doesn't make a decision that we can't unmake. I was kind of took inventory and I was like, what always makes me feel better? Moving always makes me feel better. So I got a Planet Fitness membership <laughs> and I went to the gym <laughs> and it made me feel better. And so I did it again and then again and again. And slowly over the course of this past April, I celebrated April 4th is what I consider my anniversary of staying on earth <laughs> because April 4th is the first log that I have in my workout log recording a workout. So this was the one, we're like one year and one month out from that anniversary. The thing that I think was so powerful about it is that I went from the jump for mental health. So many people who get into fitness are going for the aesthetics. From the very beginning, it was a mental health game for me. And so the focus wasn't on how is my body changing? It was on how am I progressing? How am I feeling strong? How am I feeling well? And the barbell has been one of the best teachers for feeling well and feeling strong and feeling capable. Well, first of all, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you to all selves of Caroline for taking care of you because we need you in the world. And you're a very special and important person. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for fitness, for Glennon and for you for taking care of yourself. Thank you. And I just love that you started this from the place of how do I take care of myself versus like, how can I get as small as possible or as strong as possible? Because I think that's why so many of us avoid the gym. Like, that's why I've always had a fraught relationship with working out because so I'm going to tell you actually my story because maybe you can help me. Yeah. I my whole life I've struggled with eating disorders. I've been very open about it on the show. I've kind of been all over the place weight wise. 
Last summer, I actually heard this fitness instructor. She's got different controversies, but I like her. Her name's Tracy Anderson. And she said, you know, you have to have a relationship with food, but working out, it's important to move your body every single day because if not, your muscles can turn to atrophy and it's important for you to be able to take care of yourself in that way. And for whatever reason, hearing her say that changed me. I had never thought of it from how do I take care of myself? What would feel good to my body? How can I make myself strong and capable. I had always thought about how can I get as small as possible. And so that's why I never really developed a relationship that was like exciting with working out. It was always like, why well, I have to do this thing. And so I started working out and loving it. I started doing her workouts. I started running. I started doing the elliptical. I was like lifting weights. I was really enjoying it. And then last October, I was on the treadmill and I set the speed to like a nice brisk walking pace and I was going uphill and I got off to turn on the fan. And when I got back on, I didn't realize how fast it was going and how high up it was. I fell. I hit my face down on the treadmill, bleeding everywhere, and I ended up getting a concussion. And ever since then, I feel traumatized when it comes to working out. Like I gone back to the gym a couple times and it's my gym and my condo complex. So like it's the same gym. I'm definitely not getting back on the treadmill, but I can't bring myself back to it with the heart that I had, with the excitement that I had, because I feel, I don't know, I feel like my body's scared or something. Like the only thing I can bring myself to do right now is just walking. I do a lot of walking and I love that. But what advice would you have for me specifically, but also for people that have a fraught relationship with workout and exercise on how to like rebuild that from a holistic place? First of all, I'm so sorry that that happened. That's a lot. That's crazy. Glad you're okay. Me too. <laughs> you know, the same thing comes to mind for both, for your specific circumstance and for people at large, even though you seem like a happy, well-adjusted person. So I'm sure there's a therapist in your life yes. doing wonderful work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've got all got a wizard. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe in uh, white knuckling life. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tried it, wasn't fun. I'll say this also, taking a gentle approach to it is yeah. like exposure therapy is a real thing, you know? So the fact that you're walking, period, is a step in the direction. And then being in the gym, being on other kinds of cardio equipment, walking gently on the treadmill, you know, like working into it with the help of a therapist there side by side. I mean, not physically, but virtually or however. Yeah. <laughs> For your situation could be a really helpful thing. That's very similar to the way that I teach making the gym like a happy place instead of a really aggressive, intimidating or like icky place where we try and go and make ourselves as small as possible physically and energetically, just like try and not take up space is to use dopamine to our advantage. So this is where like my science brain comes in is we can actually work our way into a gym environment and a gym experience step-by-step step and set the bar, not low, but that in a reasonable space. In that what's called the challenge skills sweet spot, a lot of people who do flow state research call it the challenge skills sweet spot, set the bar right there so that we can hit it every single time. And maybe like 90% of the time we actually hit the bar and we get dopamine from that because we actually did something that was kind of hard, but doable. And then we did something else that was kind of hard, but doable. You're walking. That's kind of hard, but doable. You're in the gym on cardio equipment near a treadmill. Kind of hard, but doable. You know, yeah. walking really slowly on the treadmill. Kind of terrifying, but doable, you know? So it's these 
incremental steps that actually do a lot more for sustainable habits long-term, especially in the fitness industry. There's such a tendency to be like, P90X, 30 day <laughs> boot camp, like shred something, burn something. <laughs> like, very intense. And it creates this image that, in order for quote unquote be fit or for it to be a thing that's working, you got to get in there and just like dive into the fires of hell. <laughs> it feels like that. Right. And then it feels like you're failing before you start. Exactly. I mean, maybe you can't commit to that for 30 days, you know? And that's actually, from a neurobiological standpoint, that's worse for us than if we decide I'm going to go once a week. Yeah. Like our brains are so much happier if we decide from the beginning that a win is going once a week. Then when we walk through the gym doors, we get that dopamine hit because we did the thing. Versus if we're like, I'm going to do it for 30 days straight. That's impossible. <laughs> There's actually some really cool neuroscience around this that if we... Shout out to the Huberman Lab podcast, excellent podcast for all things neuroscience. If we set the expectations to a certain level, 30-day challenge, for example, and then we don't get those expectations met, our dopamine actually drops below baseline. So we're actually more distraught than if we hadn't done it at all or if we'd set a lower expectation and then met it. I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying. The dopamine is coming from hitting the goal, not necessarily from working out, or is it both? Yeah. So mainly from hitting the goal. Okay. Yeah. From working out, we get, depending on the type of workout, we get anandamide and endorphins, but dopamine comes from hitting the goal. And in some cases working out, if you're like, I'm going to do this really hard thing, like lift this weight that I don't think I can lift. And then you lift it. Real quick. Cause I want to get back to the dopamine and then the goals, but what workouts lead to those other things that you talked about just a minute ago, endorphins and something else. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. There's like still research happening in that area. And I wish I had like a very clear cut answer. It seems like some of the like high intensity interval training leads to anandamide, which is considered the bliss chemical. So it makes us feel very like happy and blissful. My suspicion that is not backed up by any scientific data. This is just what I've observed in myself and with training people stuff that gets us into the moment, stuff that gets us into flow and gets us in the moment. That seems to be what triggers this like really nice feel good state. You know, for example, a client lifted her heaviest deadlift ever this morning, which was so exciting. And she was like, I don't know if I can do it. And then she did it. And it's not like a high intensity interval thing, but she definitely was on cloud nine afterwards. So my suspicion, the data is still coming up, but my suspicion is that it's anything that gets us into the flow state probably triggers a whole host of really cool stuff. I'm asking you these things and because I'm having a vision of you, this is something you're going to do with fitness. You're going to bring back the science and you're going to do your own research, something that's not been done yet, but something in this area. I feel that. I feel it's going to happen if you want it to. I would love that. That would be fabulous. <laughs> it feels like that part of your life is meant to come back, but with all the wisdom that you've gained since 2018 and with what you feel your purpose is right now, which is this fitness and like the impact it has on us wanting to be here in this physical body, in this time, on this planet, and like how we can use it to love ourselves more and be more with ourselves. So like taking the science and proving that out so that people don't feel as overwhelmed by it and approaching it from this holistic perspective. So you're basically taking both the feminine and masculine energy and putting them into what you're doing now. 
That sounds amazing and also terrifying, which is how I know it's probably, you're probably right. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I know you're not afraid to do things that are terrifying. Going back to the goals. What's an example of a lower goal that we could hit? And why is that something we should shoot for? Everyone's is going to be different because everyone's got different lifestyle factors, different pre-existing commitments and things like that. So it's about knowing thyself. Yeah. A lot of the goal research talks about something that you can do 85% of the time or more. Okay. Which as a recovering high achiever, I used to be like 50%. That's a good thing. It's very not. (laughs) So something that we're confident we can follow through on 85% of the time or more is going to be really motivating, highly motivating, because it's enough of a challenge that it's not certain. There are going to be days where we're like, I don't know. And there are going to be days where we don't hit that. But if we can knock it out of the park 85% of the time, then that's kind of like the sweet spot that helps us stay motivated long-term. So For someone, if that looks like going to the gym twice a week for 30, 45 minutes, awesome. If that looks like going for a walk twice a week for 30, 45 minutes, awesome. It goes back to that long-term relationship thing that we were talking about. I mean, our bodies are like the longest-term relationship that we have in meat suit life on earth. (laughs) You know, so. Yeah. (laughs) It's like when someone reminds me of that, it just makes me really just feel so tender with myself. Like it's so easy to walk around forgetting everything we have and all the wisdom we have access to and all the things that our body does to take care of us. And that is always just such a important reminder. If somebody feels very disconnected right now, and I know this is something we talked about on your podcast too, but it's something I'm working on every day. How can they be with themselves? How can they get into their body? How can they get grounded? Do you have any practices that you do to get into your body and like remember you have a body? I'm glad you asked what are the things that I do? Because when you were just saying, what can people do? I was like, I don't know. Lord, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but when you say, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, okay, I have an answer to that yeah. one. I like to feel. If I'm driving, like feeling the steering wheel in my hands or feeling the air on my skin, feeling the clothes on my skin, breathing and feeling the breath like come and go. So the sense of touch for me personally, I know is one that really brings me into my body and into the here and now. And then from there, I'll often notice once I kind of ground in the sense of touch, then the other senses open up. And then I notice, wow, the leaves look really beautiful. The sun is coming through just right. And isn't that nice? And it sounds really nice. So I don't know if maybe everyone has a different sense that would bring them into the moment. That would be fascinating. Maybe they do. I know the sense of touch brings me into the moment. That's a really good one. Yeah, I know my therapist does a lot of like somatic healing and embodiment stuff. And sometimes she'll literally give me homework. She's like, put lotion on your legs for five minutes and like feel your legs, like give yourself a foot massage. Remember you have feet and then like really feel your feet on the ground. So those things I do think make a huge difference. Of course, I love to avoid them. (laughs) I'm like, okay, Jessica, I'll do it. <laughs> but then I find myself like miserable two weeks later and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try that thing Jess said to do. And then I do it and I instantly feel better. So I think that's very wise. 
we kind of circled around this idea for a second, but human design. I've had human design people on the podcast before. If you don't know, I did a great one with you listening with Shayna and Dana from Day Luna. So you can go back and listen to like a deep dive about it. But basically, it's this system that combines a lot of different systems like astrology, the Kabbalah, like all kinds of different things. And it tells you the way you were meant to energetically live on this earth. And you in human design are a manifesting generator. How has that helped you? And like, how has it freed you? I'm a projector and I've struggled with owning that. I feel like I was assigned projector at birth, but I'm actually more of a manifesting generator in my heart. (laughs) And so I struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. Funny story. When I first found human design, I had my birth time wrong and I thought I was a projector and I was like, this doesn't feel like me. (laughs) And then I like realized I had my birth time wrong and I was like, oh, okay. So much with astrology and human design and gene keys and all the like fun stuff. I think that they work really well as permission slips and giving us permission to operate in a way that feels true for us, you know, like as a projector, maybe like I really do get pretty zonked out after six hours of doing stuff. And if someone feels that way and they have been resisting rest, then I think it can be a really great permission slip to actually embrace rest. And for me, the manifesting generator changes when like follows what lights us up. And so that was a really great permission slip for me to feel secure and safe making changes in my life that maybe I wouldn't have otherwise felt as secure and as safe making. And it would be interesting to go back to it now because I actually haven't gone deep down the rabbit hole in maybe a year or so. So it would be really interesting, but there were definitely parts of it at the time that I was like, "Mm, I don't know, like the feeling of like, I think I'm going to like fuck around and find out on that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's the point though. Like anything that is expansive for you and helps you stop trying to put yourself in boxes that other people have made for you and instead live the way that feels correct. Like there are parts of it that have helped me in that way. And There are some parts where I'm like, that feels really restrictive. That doesn't feel like my life and I don't subscribe to it. And so I think the thing is with any of these systems, if it gives you a permission slip, take the permission slips. But the thing that feels like a detention instead of a permission slip, you can just say, you know what? Unsubscribe to that piece. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I mean, the irony is that the whole thing is focused on deconditioning. Yeah. And then it conditions you. Right, right. So so if instead it just becomes a new form of conditioning, like that kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, I think it's a great point, but I love that it empowered you in that way. And I can see it through your work because you're not being like, well, I said it was going to be a social media marketer. So I guess I have to do that for my whole life now. You're like, you know what? Not interested anymore. Let me try this new thing that feels like life to me. Yeah. Like earlier when you were talking about the body carrying so much wisdom from like the sum total of our lived experiences, all that wisdom, it doesn't go away when we decide to change and do something else. It just finds a new home. You know, it finds a new way to express itself. Like just recently I had someone reach out wanting help with social media marketing. And I was like, well, I don't really do that anymore, but like, yeah, we can do it. And I kind of dove back in and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. There's like some fun aspects of this 
that I forgot that I really enjoyed. And I can now apply to the personal training stuff, having lived through more life and I can apply it in a new way that feels really fun and interesting. So even when we kind of change and float down the river of life (laughs) and like float along, there's wisdom and there's learning and there's good stuff all along the way that compounds. It reminds me of Katamari Damasi. Did you ever play the video game? No, it sounds amazing. Sounds Italian, just like me. So great. (laughs) You just roll around in a ball and collect things. And the bigger the ball gets, the bigger the things it can collect. So you start off collecting small things like Pop-Tart size stuff. And then as the ball gets bigger, you're collecting cows and cars and buildings. (laughs) And that's what it feels like, except with less, maybe less like insatiable consumerism involved, but just like, (laughs) but spiritual, spiritual gifts. Yeah, I love that. I want to ask you because you made a very definitive decision and difficult decision, but important one and one I'm very grateful to stay here. And in order to do that, I think you had to have some deep love of life and knowing that life had more to offer you and you had more to offer life. What have you found in this past year plus that you love about life and that you think life loves about you? You're going to make me cry. That's a beautiful question. (laughs) You know, interestingly, the thing that I think I've found that I love the most is the hard stuff, like we were talking about earlier, because it feels like a hidden gem that's hidden right in plain sight. It's in everyone's life. It's all over the place. And learning how to love it and see it as a source of energy and fuel and meaning and deep purpose, like really deep purpose. That is definitely the thing that I have fallen in love with the most because it feels like a treasure that is everywhere, but you have to like dig it up and find it. That definitely feels like the thing that a deep source of love for life. What I think life loves about me, that's interesting. (laughs) It kind of goes hand in hand. I think that the idea of the muse showing up when we sit down and make space for the muse to come in, you know, by sitting down and doing the work, whatever that looks like for each person individually, especially as creative people sitting down to our creative craft and just being there, doing the practice and being available for the muse. I think that this embrace of the hard has made me much more available for the muse and like the things that life has been wanting to bring me and give me and show me. And I think that life appreciates that as best I can tell. (laughs) I know life does. I hope that you never stop floating down the river in a tube and doing (laughs) what your heart tells you to do. You're a beautiful example for us on what can happen when we trust ourselves, we trust our own inner knowing, we embrace fear, we go out into the unknown and know that we can do it and that that calling wasn't put in our heart just to screw with us. It's actually there for a reason. And I just think you are such a beautiful human being and I am so grateful to know you and to get to watch you lead. I'm here for you always. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I feel the same about you. You're such a shiny, wonderful human being and you hold such a beautiful space, whether it's as podcast host or guesting on podcast, you just have a bubble around you of good juju and realness, you know, like real 
authentic expression. So thank you for making this conversation possible in all the ways that you do with all your magic. I love you. I'm so happy. I love the you. Me too. <laughs> Let's be friends. Oh, Caroline, you're a gift. Mwah. Love ya. Thank you for listening and thanks to my guest, Caroline Addington. For more info on Caroline, follow her at caroline.addington underscore and visit her website, carolineaddington.com to find her podcast and work with her as a personal trainer. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit this episode. Follow her at Rachel M. Fulton. Thank you to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also tag the guests at caroline.addington underscore so they can share as well. My wish for you this week is to reflect on what you love about life and what you think life loves about you. The world is lucky to have you here. You bring so much. And I'm so grateful to be in community with you and be with you on this journey to unleash. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.